ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back in to the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Joining me now, as promised, is the uh, Emmy Award-winning sports director for a KTC TV3, our friend Andrew Clay, the uh, the Pennsylvania native who grew up an Eagles fan, and the uh, Eagles are playing the Saints this Sunday. I don't know if anybody knows that. But we're going to chat about that a little bit, talk about the Cajuns, some high school football, among other things. Andrew, good morning, man. How are you? What's up, Scott? I'm doing great. Uh, it's uh, it's tough being an Eagles fan these days, so let's not be uh, too hard on them tonight. Um, you, you've heard of Elf on the Shelf. Well, finally, it was Wentz on the bench. It was time. Oof. Why do you think it Oof. took so long to to? Is it just because of the because of the contract? Do you think he's going to stay on the bench next Sunday, or is he going to start? I don't know. I've been doing a lot of reading, kind of on on. I don't necessarily this topic, but on Peterson. Uh, I, I'm not convinced Peterson once hurts. I don't know if, if Hertz is Peterson's guy. You know, one of the things I've read a lot recently is there might be um, some tension between Howie Roseman, the GM, and Doug Peterson, the head coach. And, uh, you know, last year, the season, he said the OC was coming back. Doug Peterson said the OC was coming back, and then two days later they fired him. And there's questions about whether that decision was made above him. There's questions about Hertz, whether the decision to bring him in was made above Doug Peterson. So, you know, I think there's always chance that's part of it. You know, I thought Ron Jaworski before the game, I thought he was spot on. Um, I think he said this, it was Friday or something like that. It hurts just, there was no mini camps. There wasn't hardly, there was no preseason. Just, there's not a lot of great opportunities to ease a player into it. And, you know, Jalen Hurts is a good football player, but there is still a lot of question about how great a quarterback he is. And so I think, I'm just not sure Hertz is ready. And look, he didn't exactly light the world on fire. Yes, everyone wants to point to that nice touchdown throw he had on the move. But 5 of 12 is nothing to write home about. His throws were inaccurate. They were off the mark. Yes, he moved very well in the pocket. He ran the ball well. He scrambled. He hit some open receivers. I thought the ball came out of his hands on time better than it's been coming out with Wentz. But I think part of it is I, I just think I don't know if Hertz is there. And then, of course, Wentz, you've got so much money in Carson Wentz that you're not ready to move on from him. You're just not. It, it, it's, uh, it's weird. I mean, is it just me? Or 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 I, I read a take somewhere that he's never really been maybe as good as we thought. But I, I remember 2017. Oh, I remember good. how strong Carson Wentz played. Like, what's the problem this year? It just seems like he went from being well, good to just a bad quarterback. Go back and look at what he did over the last six games or so last season. That was some of actually the best football he's ever played for the last few games of last season. I think it, I think he's in his head. I think there's mental. There's something mental going on here. I do believe he felt a, a great responsibility to be the leader on this team. I believe. I believe he probably put a lot of pressure at the beginning of the season, and, and I just don't know if he's handling this well. I don't know if Jalen Hurts behind him. Is, is spooking him. I'm not quite sure what's happening. You know, you do technically have a new offensive coordinator, but, you know, this is Doug Peterson's offense. It's nothing, there's nothing, uh, no secret to that. But I, I just, you don't forget how to play quarterback overnight. You just, you don't. You know, this isn't coming off an injury. This isn't anything like that. He just almost overnight forgot to play, learn how to play quarterback. And honestly, go back to the Washington game at the beginning of the season. He played uh, particularly well in that first half. 
and you just kind of felt like he was picking up where he left off last season. But, you know, the sacks started piling up. That Washington defensive line is is fantastic, and you saw what they did last night against Pittsburgh. And I just – I don't know what's going on. It, it's the sacks. He's not throwing the ball in his hands. I personally – I've been critical of Doug Peterson over the last couple of seasons. I didn't like the way they called plays. I didn't like the way the ball didn't come out of Carson Wentz's hand very quickly on any given play. You know, we see we see this play all the time in the NFL. The slot guy just falls into the falls into the flats. On you know, you got you got slants on the outside, and you got slot receivers just fall into the flats for an easy. I don't know if that plays even the Eagles playbook. So I, I've been really critical uh, of Doug Peterson and. I kind of remain critical at this point. I don't think Wentz can take this full blame. Um, he's certainly not playing up to the level he should be, but I think Doug Peterson um, deserves a lot of credit for um, what's happening right now. He deserves a lot of this blame. ESPN1420N.com. So this Sunday, probably Taysom Hill. Drew Brees says he might be back. Maybe Jalen Hurts. Uh, it should be an interesting game, but – you think Philly can pull off an upset, or is this the Saints game to lose here? I, I really don't know what the offense is going to look like. I think that's the biggest mystery. You know, what is the Eagles' offense going to be? Who is going to be quarterback? Is Carson Wentz going to be a quarterback, and is he going to be a, a, a new man? Is he going to get sitting on the bench for a half, essentially, reboot Carson Wentz? I have no idea. Defensively, I think this is really interesting what the Eagles can and do in this game. You know, defensive line, the Eagles – have one of the better defensive lines. It's certainly one of the most well-paid defensive lines in the NFL. The linebacker core is a hot mess. You know, the Eagles struggle to stop the run. And in passing defense, they're still pretty good. I know a lot of people were going to quickly point out Darius Slay getting torched um, the other week in Seattle against DK Metcalf. But defensively, this is actually a half-decent pass defense. They get to the quarterback pretty well. Brandon Graham um, remains incredible. Fletcher Cox is obviously uh, one of the best in the country, um, but I just don't know what the offense is going to be. It just, it's, it's going to be a wild card, the offense for sure. And, and defensively, I think they can, they can limit the Saints, but, I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to stop them. I feel like that seems insane to say that an Eagles defense, because the defense has given up some points this year, and I think Alvin Kamara is just going to run rough shot through that defense. They, just, they don't have a good second level. That, those linebackers are young, they're inexperienced, and quite frankly, they're just not full of talent. ESPN fourteen twenty. So with the uh, Washington football team's upset yesterday of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who do you think the best team in the league is right now? Is it the Chiefs or is it somebody else? Uh, I still kind of think it's Washington. Uh, not Washington. I still think it, it's probably Pittsburgh. But, you know, it could be it could be New York. I mean, Colt McCoy, Alfred Morris, it's twenty four. I know, in New York what, right now. but but seriously, uh, they went to Seattle and won. And I know Seattle's defense is bad, but they held Seattle's offense to twelve points. That's impressive. Yeah, well, you know, Seattle's offense has long had these moments where they're just terrible. They just go into a game and they just can't do anything. <laughs> And uh, they certainly couldn't – Eagles couldn't get lucky enough to get that. But, no, I think Pittsburgh has been jerked around so much with scheduling. Like, it's, it was amazing they were 11-0 to begin with. Uh, what happened with that Baltimore game and, and the way that scheduling happened. And, yes, it allowed them to get healthy. And, yes, this was a normal rest. But it was super weird to play 
on a Monday at five o'clock. Like just so strange that that game was played that way. It just, I still think the Pittsburgh is one of the best teams, but I also don't think there is a clear cut best team in the NFL. I think you could make the case for probably four or five teams to be the best team in the NFL. I think there's a case to be made for Pittsburgh. There's a case to be made for Kansas. Uh, New Orleans, Seattle, and Green Bay. I think those five teams, I'm, I, maybe I'm even missing someone, too, that I'm not thinking of, but I think there's a case to be made for a lot of teams right now. There's a lot of teams playing good. Really, no one's playing at this masterful, elite level. I mean, what was it, a five-point win for Kansas City over the Denver or uh, Raiders, as we heard Kelsey say after the game, which I have to say, did you hear that quote? I did. Yeah, he, he just it was a slip of the tongue, That was man. great. It was just... That was great. He was, he just, it happens. He didn't even know he did it. I mean, like the amount of times I probably have done that on the radio before, but, uh, but yeah, he gave credit no. to the Raiders when he met Denver. Yeah. I know that was just great. That was one of my, that's one of my favorite. I'm a big Kelsey fan, not just because of him, but you know, his brother is an Eagle. Uh, I like the Kelsey family. And that, that quote was just great. And I love how people were saying Kelsey just goes in and plays football. He doesn't care who he's playing. Andrew Clay, our guest, ESPN1420.com. I'm Scott Prather. All right, right, let's. I, I want to get your thoughts on the Cajuns. Um, how, how, like, the, the path to a New Year's Six. You know, that is something that I think after the loss to Coastal, most kind of just put behind them and said, okay, it's not going to happen. Now, for the record, I am not, uh, I am not expecting it to happen. But curiosity's sake, for those that are interested, let's think about what would have to happen. So, number one, Iowa State wins the Big 12 championship. You need that to happen. And, boy, if they had just uh, – that was something they had Oklahoma State. Had they won that one, it would – you know, things would really be setting them nice. But Iowa State can win the Big 12. Cincinnati would need to lose to Tulsa, possibly twice, but at least once. Obviously, the Cajuns would need to be Coastal Carolina. Coastal needs to not lose this week. They need to be undefeated going into that game. So there are a number of dominoes that are needed to fall. But here we are in December, and while I'm not expecting it to happen, there is a path for it to potentially happen. I know there's just some dominoes, and even all of that might not guarantee it. But if all that unfolded, Andrew, it's possible. Yeah, there's a lot going on here and a lot to unpack, and, and you're right. There are doors that need to do a line. But the one thing I would also throw out there is it's 2020. I think the bowl selection could get a little funky. And I thought someone pointed out on social media, and I don't remember who it was, I thought they made a really astute point. You know, the fans are going to be limited here. So the idea that, that bowls are going to eye these, um, these big fan bases, you know, there's no necessarily need for that this year. And so I think you could see some fresh blood. And I know some of these bowls have the automatic tie-ins, but all that stuff starts getting a little shuffled when it comes, when you start adding in the, um, when you, you start adding in the, the playoff teams. So yes, the stuff line, but it's 2020, man. And I think anything can happen. And, and whether or not teams, you know, a bowl wants to roll a dice on some teams, different teams, and, and obviously the Sun Belt still hasn't really said what they're going to do with their plans, which I think is a whole other conversation. And the fact that the Cajuns are still kind of hanging out there, not knowing that if they win the Sunbelt championship in two weeks, you know, where, what bowl are they going to? No one, no one has a clue. 
Well, if it's not a, if it's not a, a New Year's Six, and we just said a lot of things would have to happen for that to even be possible, but it's it's still possible. I don't want to kill anyone's dreams. Um, the the other, you know, I would expect them to probably play in one of the one of the bowl tie-ins, either the one on Christmas Day or or the two the day after. Which um, I I would prefer that not to happen, at least on Christmas Day. But uh, but but here's something else. You know, I I think the the Sun Belt is undoubtedly having its best season ever in football. It's come a long way, um, and I see you know the commissioner of the AAC out there really hyping up. Hey, you know we need to get in this thing, uh, hyping up Cincinnati. You know, hey let's let's get him into the college football playoff. I don't know that that, that I don't think that's going to happen, but hyping up. Hey, we we deserve a team in the select six if we don't get in the college. Just out there, and um, Keith Gill he does some work behind the scenes, Andrew. But but sort of being public and getting out there has never been something that that he's done it's something that uh that carl benson did a lot but i think it's something that would serve the conference well right now at a time where the the conference is as strong in football as it's ever been yeah i I agree with you but you know if i'm keith gill i'm really i'm probably would have spent my entire monday on the phone with with louisiana and dr brian maggard trying to get them to schedule something this weekend that byu coastal game what an incredible thing that was for the sun belts and I don't think you can even measure how huge that was for the Sun Belt. It's, it just propelled Coastal into a spotlight where people were making jokes about the last time they even heard the name Coastal Carolina was, you know, I think Coastal Carolina played Penn State, so I saw this on my timeline, you know, back in like 2007 or eight or something, got pounded 66 to something. And, and that was the last time people in my timeline um, from back home Obviously not the Sun Belt people, but people from back home had even heard the name. Coastal They've only Carolina. been in the Sun Belt for a few years, you know. But shout out to right. them; they and won then, a, a baseball championship right before they joined. I mean, in football, though, right. it, it was what was it? Tyler but, Thigpen was the quarterback. It's been a minute. It was. It's been. It's been so long, and, and they were obviously FCS before coming to the Sun Belt. But that game was was huge for the Sun Belt, and you sit here with Louisiana with the bye week. I know. I know the Cajuns want that bye week because it gives them the best chance to prepare to take on Coastal in two weeks. But at the same time, if you can get yourself another BYU Coastal-esque game and go out and win against maybe an, another ranked team or even a Power 5 program who can't play their game, like uh, what is it, Ole Miss's game got canceled this weekend already? Um, it happen that would be big for the Sunbelt continue building that Sunbelt brand but but as you said earlier yeah Keith Gill he doesn't get out and talk in, in front of the media in far as far as I know his press conference ahead of the Sunbelt championship will be the first I think only time he's spoken since March or April I, I don't I just I don't I don't agree with that I, I don't want to I don't want to be nasty or anything you. but I, you gotta you gotta just you gotta sell your coverage especially when there's something nice to be sold in moments like this in a year where everything is fluid and seemingly, I don't want to say anything is possible, but a lot is possible for sure. ESPN1420.com. Andrew Clay, our guest from KTC-TV3. You guys have just done a fantastic job with football Friday nights, this high school football season. This season's been unlike any others, but we still got some local teams right in the thick of it. What what what? Give me a couple of matchups this week that you think are going to just live up to the hype. That really 
from a high school football standpoint you, you can't wait to just unpack? Live up to the hype. That is uh, an interesting question. Who is going to live up to the hype? You asked a very um, specific question. You know, I think there are a couple, a couple really good games. You know, um, STM and U High, I, I, that, that's a game that really comes to mind. You know, this is a semifinal game, and, and what we saw this, these two match up was two years ago in the Dome in a shootout. I think that was the night where everyone who played in a state championship game scored like 50-something. That was the night Eunice won it, like 50-something to 40-something, and I think STM lost like 60-something to 50-something, or I might have those two games backwards, but everyone was winning with 100-plus point games, and, and that STM-U-High game was just absolutely amazing. I was on the sideline for that game, and, and I think that's the game that you really look up to, but you know, because will it live up to the hype? I have no idea, because I think STM is arguably the best team in the state. And there aren't very many schools who are even allowed in this conversation. Maybe, maybe Catholic High of Baton Rouge, who we already saw STM beat this year. Um, Acadiana certainly is a team that would like their name in the conversation. And, and I think Acadiana is a very, very good team. But I don't know if I'm going to put them in that top two or three teams in the state. But St. Thomas More is most certainly in that conversation. So I don't know if this game's going to live up to the hype. I just don't know if a St. Thomas More game can live up to the hype because I think St. Thomas More is pretty much just dominantly better than almost every team um, in the state. And, and, you know, just go back to that Dayless South championship game last year when they just mopped the floor. And there's, there's an argument that this STM team is better than it was last year. So that's the game I'm really, I'm really juiced for because I love the rematch. I love the championship history. And you know, these two programs have some history. I believe the year, um, the year before, or was it the, the basketball championship after the football championship, it was STM and U High. So there's just this bit of this high school rivalry between these two teams, regardless of, of what sport they're playing. And so I, I just really think that that is the game I'm looking at, but I don't know if, if it's going to live up to the hype. But I think it has the most potential because I think it, it's a little bit of a rivalry game here in a semifinal with a chance to go to the Dome. Good stuff, man. I um... I've kind of enjoyed it. You know, I have some nephews that play on the Vermilion Catholic team as well. I've been following them closely, rooting for them. Um, and I'm just glad. I was that, down there yesterday. That's a good team. Yeah. that No, they, they're, they've they been consistently good for a while now. And uh, I'm just glad that – I'm glad they've been able to get the high school season in. And I know it, I know it hasn't been easy like anything else this year. But uh, for those seniors, and I know there have been cancellations and other things like that, but – to be at this point now and and you know close to the finish line, I'm just I'm glad they got it done, man. I know you know just from a family standpoint and my nephews and you know what football high school football is kind of meant for them and that outlet and and it, it, you know they've they've had a lot of cancels practices canceled. You know they've had to miss some games because someone in their family had COVID briefly and then they had to come back, but they've kind of just rallied around it and the teams have done the best job they could in a tough situation. Just glad they did it because there was a time, Andrew, you know, when those college dominoes were falling and it was the Big Ten saying we're not playing, many people foresaw a winner where maybe we'd have NFL and that's it, and that's not the case. We've had high school. We've had college. We've had the NFL. You know, the NBA is starting here in just a couple of weeks. The Pelicans have a preseason game Monday. It hadn't been easy, but I'm glad that the sports calendar has continued to kind of change. 
Yeah, I, for one, was never really worried about the high school season getting in um, because I kind of thought that they would just push it through. Um, and, and, and that's for, for better and for worse. I always kind of felt they were going to push high school football through. And, and it was very choppy. Um, you know, I know the LHSA, you know, they had that impromptu uh, press conference where they, where they were just pleading for people to just remain smart with COVID protocols because you were getting to a point in the season where it felt like about a quarter of the games were being canceled. I remember going into our last couple of weeks of the regular season show, I think we had at one point had 16 teams who weren't able to play a game. Now, in a couple of those cases, but I really only mean like a couple, like one or two, maybe three cases, those were teams that just couldn't find a game in time to play. In the other cases, it was because the schools weren't able to play. So it was really choppy there at the end of the season. And uh, I think to no surprise, uh, it hasn't been choppy in the postseason. And, and you can take it for what it is, but there hasn't been – hardly any postponements or cancellations and the teams are just trying to get this end of the season through and, and it's been good to see these kids be able to play i'm with you 100 percent. i'm happy for the kids uh, we just we're still not out of the woods yet and and certainly with the, some of the news we heard out of new orleans i believe it was yesterday with them threatening harsher sanctions and, and restrictions inside the city um, we're still not out of the woods these championships are still supposed to be played in new orleans and New Orleans still remains a very fickle spot when it comes to uh, the COVID protocols, and, and they're very strict, and, and they're trying really hard, and they're and trying to enforce this stuff. So I really don't know if we're out of the woods yet. I am a little concerned about whether championships in two weeks can get done. And honestly, if I was a private school, I would really be considering, do we have options next week? Because the, you know, the select schools, they don't play their championships they have a week off between semifinals and championships. And if I was a select, I'd be considering and talking to the LHSA to see what their options are. Can they possibly somehow, some way, play them a week early in, in hopes to avoid any sort of uh, lockout at the Superdome? And I'm not saying there's talk about the, the Superdome being locked out. I am just concerned about the news coming out of New Orleans and them saying about maybe ramping up restrictions a little bit if the numbers don't start to curb. Um, you know, we still have two weeks. A lot can happen in two weeks, one way or the other. So I don't know. I, I've come from the mindset of, you know, if you can play today, you play today. You don't worry about playing tomorrow because tomorrow is not a guarantee with, with in 2020 right now. There's just no guarantee you can play your game tomorrow. But if you're eligible today, go ahead and get that game in. Um, and that's kind of the mindset I'm thinking here right now. You know, obviously, I don't know of any chance of the championships being canceled. But, again, my mindset if you can play this weekend, you play this weekend because, you know, there's no guarantees here. All right, good stuff. Andrew Clay has been our guest over at KTC TV3. He, Seth, Brianna, all do a fantastic job on the sports scene. And um won't be long before the NBA tips off. I know that's not really on too many folks' minds right now, but... You know me. I'm, 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 I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it, man. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm following the press conferences. I'm talking to folks in New Orleans. We got Christian Clark from uh, the Times Picayune, Pelicans beat writer, coming up here in just a in just a moment. Um, the Zion, Stephen Adams, strength. Not really the, the the move that many thought the Pels were going to make in the off season. Eric Bledsoe, Bi, are the Pelicans um, gonna gonna they going to get better this year. 72 game season, are they going to be a playoff team? Is this still, you know, a couple of years away in your mind or at least 2 years away in terms of the postseason? 
I think they're definitely a, a playoff team. Um, again, you, when you get eight teams in, there's a lot of margin for error. I just think the one thing out of, you know, we kind of said this last year with the Pelicans, you got to really ignore those first 30 games. Uh, I'm gonna, I would say that again this year, that first half of the season, you might just want to never look at the standings because there's a real chance that it's really choppy and really rough to start the season. So many new parts and new head coach, not really a full camp experience to get ramped up to the season. I just think the teams who are, who are more experienced, the teams who have more um, chemistry, I think those are the teams that are probably going to be in better shape on opening day. I think teams like Boston and, and Toronto, those are two teams in the East that I think will likely be very good at the beginning. I think the, the Lakers are going to be the same thing. These teams that, have, that just have experience playing together and, and are returning stars and coaches, those are the teams that have such an advantage. And, and certainly the Pelicans returned a lot of their core, but they also completely revamped pretty much everything around that core. So I, I do think it's going to take a little bit to get into it, and they're going to be changing systems pretty much night and day. I mean, this is not going to be the same offense that Alvin Gentry ran. It, it's going to be a team that's going to have defense on its mind as well, which uh, also not the same as when Alvin Gentry ran. So I just think you're going to have to give the Pelicans time. And I think you know that. As a Pelicans fan, I think you're very well aware that patience is going to be necessary this year, and you just hope for a good second-half push. Yeah, I think so as well. I think, I think um, you know, things you, can, you want to see out the gate is just more defense. And I think ultimately if this team is in the playoffs, and you'll have a, 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 a you know, finish in the top ten and you got a chance to play your way in in the, in the West – I think a lot of it's just going to come down to Zion, honestly, because if he's not on a minutes restriction and if he plays, let's say the majority of the 72 or, you know, 80% or 85% of that, you know, and, and, you know, obviously knock on wood, you know, BI and another key player doesn't miss significant time, but a big, a big part of it's just to me is Zion. You know, he only played in what, uh, 26 or 30 something games last year. If you want to include the bubble, it wasn't that much. So, once you get him in year two more comfortable, and if he's able to play for a while, then I think come second half of the season, they're going to be that league pass team that everybody wants to watch because they're going to be a lot of fun. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. And, and if Zion is as advertised, and if he's able to turn those minutes-restricted games into full 30 minutes, uh, he's going to be great. And, and that's a team that's got such a bright future. I really... I was surprised at the Stan Van Gundy hire, but I love it. I think SVG is a great coach, and, and I think uh, the sky's the, the limit right now for the Pelicans. Maybe not this year, but long term, I think this team's got such a high ceiling. Good stuff. Andrew Clay has been our guest, ESPN1420.com. If you're not following him, go and do it at Andrew Clay TV on Twitter and all the great stuff he and the crew were doing over at KTC. TV three. Andrew, I appreciate the time, my friend. All the best. Hope the wife and kids are well. And um, you're going to be out of isolation probably tomorrow. So uh, maybe I'll actually see you around at some point, but probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My my wife's still reeling from that Steelers loss. You know, I was happy that last night that she was in bed by the time I got home because uh, when the Steelers lose, it's not always the best house. Well, you know what? Hopefully she's feeling a little better today. Good luck with that. I can tell you this, if 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 the Saints had blown it and the Falcons had won on a Hail Mary, it would have it would it would have been a rough rough couple of days here at the uh, the Prather house. But luckily, you know, Saints beat the Falcons, that's always a beautiful thing. 
<laughs> always beautiful. Always beautiful. And the trolling on the scoreboard. Oh, just God. icing. Chef's kiss, man. Just ah, perfect. Andrew, appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon, all right? <laughs> Thanks, Scott. All right. Stay tuned. Talk a little Pelicans next. Christian Clark from the Times Picayune going to join us right after this. ESPN1420 and.com.